0: You and I have a tough time putting ourselves in the shoes of Paul because you and I have never suffered imprisonment for our stand for Jesus Christ. Because, listen, somebody making fun of us or somebody ridiculing us verbally because we're a Christian, that's not persecution. Paul would laugh at that type of persecution. That's not persecution. You and I don't know anything about the type of persecution Paul had, so it's difficult for us to live in that live in the that way. But Paul's point is, and you understand the persecution that Paul had. Paul's point is: listen, one of the benefits of not being married is that you don't have a family back home to worry about because you're going in and out of these towns preaching the gospel, being persecuted for the gospel, and you don't have to worry about a family living at home.
1: This is the Divine Truth Podcast, a ministry of Emmanuel Baptist Church in beautiful Central Virginia. This podcast is for the purpose of teaching God's people through the verse-by-verse exposition live from the pulpit of Emmanuel Baptist Church. We pray that the Word of God richly blesses you as you hear it proclaimed.
0: 7 tonight. 1 Corinthians chapter 7. I'm going to speak to you tonight a little bit on the subject reasons for remaining single. Well, you said, Pastor, you're too late. I'm already married. Well, you may be already married, but there's somebody in your life you're trying to force to get married. So pay attention to what, uh, to what the Bible says about reasons for singleness, because Paul does give the church reasons to be single. There are reasons to, if you've got the gift of singleness, which not everybody has, but if you've got the gift of singleness, there are reasons, biblical reasons, to remain single. First Corinthians chapter 7. A man by the name of Jean Picurion, he was from France. I'm probably butchering his last name, but just deal with me. He was sentenced to death because of habitual theft. But he was told as he was getting ready to be hanged that if he that if that he would be released if a pure maiden was willing to marry him. And a girl who, history tells us, was kind of homely, stepped forward and said that she was willing to marry him. Jean shook his head. No way. I'd rather marry the gallows. Hangman, do your duty. End quote. Well, I didn't think y'all would react that, much, that way to it. But the good news is he was hanged in 1234. So the girl was the one that was spared. <laughs> a young girl came to her pastor absolutely miserable, and she was involved in what seemed to be a failing marriage. And when the pastor inquired to the young girl, well, if you're that miserable, and you've always been that miserable... Why in the world did you get married? The response of this young lady was, well, I was 20 years old, had no other prospects. I didn't want to be an old maid, and he was the first man that said yes when I asked. So I got married. Two true stories. What does Paul say about being single? 1 Corinthians chapter 7, let's begin reading in verse number 25. Paul says, now concerning virgins, I have no commandment of the Lord, yet I give my judgment as one that hath obtained mercy of the Lord to be faithful. I suppose, therefore, that it is good for the present distress, I say, that it is good for a man to so to be. Art thou bound unto a wife? Seek not to be loosed. Art thou loosed from a wife? Seek not a wife. But, and if thou marry, thou hast not sinned. And if a virgin marries, she hath not sinned. Nevertheless, such shall, have a, such shall have trouble in the flesh, but I spare you. This I say, brethren, the time is short. And it remaineth that both they that have wives be as though they had none, and they that weep as though they wept not, and they that rejoice as though they rejoice not, and they that buy as though they possess not. And they that use this world as not abusing it, the fashion of the world passeth away. Let's pray. Father, we thank you, Lord, for your truth. Help us to understand it tonight. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. Two very different attitudes about marriage. Neither one of them necessarily biblical, but certainly different. And they they illustrate that those that want nothing to do with marriage, and those that are so desperate to be married that they'll actually say yes to the very first guy or gal that asks. In the late 1800s, there was a group of single people who got together as part of the ladies' home journal, and they all wrote poems expressing their distress about singleness. Here is one of those poems from one of the guys, quote, all of the girls that ever I knew, I never saw one I thought would do. I wanted a wife that was nice and neat, that update and had small feet. If y'all have an issue with these poems, this is not me, I got these from MacArthur, so you can take it up with him. I wanted a wife that was loving and kind and that hadn't too much an independent mind. I wanted a wife that could cook and sew and wasn't eternally on the go. I wanted a wife that was strikingly beautiful, intelligent, rich, and exceedingly dutiful. That isn't so much a demand in a wife, but she's still not found, though I've looked all my life. Now, just to be fair, we're going to give you one that one of the ladies wrote. The only reason why I've never wed is as clear as the day and as easily said. Two loves I had who who have made me a bride, but the trouble was just that I couldn't decide. Whenever John came, I was sure it was he that I cared for the most. But with Charlie by me, my hands clasped in his and his eyes fixed on mine, t'was as easy as could be to say, I'll be thine. Now tell me. What was a poor maiden to do who couldn't, to save her, make a choice between the two? I dillied and dallied and couldn't decide till Johnny got married and Charlie, he died. Some people have the gift of singleness and some people don't. But what does the Bible say about being single? And how are we to understand singleness? One way that we are to understand singleness is that singleness is a unique gift that was designed by God. In 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verses 25 to 40, Paul gives us specific reasons or blessings, really, of being single. And Paul lays out some very specific reasons why singleness is a gift from God so what are the benefits of being single? i want to give you, I think, three tonight, maybe, if I get that far. Three benefits of being single. Number one, the first blessing or the first benefit of being single is the pressure of the system. The pressure of the system. Now, the ones that Paul had in mind here, look at verse 27. He is speaking to, verse 20, 25, rather, he is speaking now concerning virgins. And that's not a that's not an incredibly hard word to define. It's parterion in the Greek, and, it's, and it just means virgin. But Paul adds the feminine case article to that word, and so we understand that Paul is specifically referring to female virgins is who he's specifically addressing. Look at verse 25 again. He says, I have no commandment of the Lord, yet I give my judgment. Now, as we've said before, Paul has used this terminology that this is not from the Lord, this is from me. I'm giving this, not the Lord. He is not, and remember, he is not saying, folks, that his words are not authoritative. He is not saying that his words are not inspired. He is simply saying that concerning the matters of virgins, there were no direct words directly spoken by the Lord on which to draw these principles. Even though Christ spoke about marriage in Matthew 19, for one, he did not speak specifically about virgins. And so Paul says, because of that, I give my judgment. Paul says, this is my way of thinking. Paul says, I don't have any principle from the Lord on which to draw during his ministry, so I'm going to give you my way of thinking, but also keep in mind, church, that because we believe that all the Bible is inspired of God, this was not only Paul's thinking; this was the Holy Spirit's thinking as well. But what this word, what this word does for us, it, it again tells us that even though the Word of God is completely the breath of God, it is an inspired Word of God with that is not independent of the character and personality of the writer of the book. The writers of the New Testament, the writers of the Bible, were not dependent robots that just, that just robotically wrote down what the Holy Spirit gave them. The Holy Spirit gave them the words of Scripture, but gave them the words of Scripture in such a way that their own personalities were involved in what was written. That's why Paul can say that this was my judgment, even though they were still inspired of the Holy Ghost. It is just as authoritative, it is just as inspired. All Paul is saying is Christ did not speak on this issue during his time on the earth. Verse 25 again. He says, I'm giving you these things as one that hath obtained mercy of the Lord to be faithful. Paul saying, I've received mercy. And because I've received mercy of the Lord, my, the words I'm giving you are faithful. Pistos means to be trustworthy. Trustworthy. Paul says, because I have received mercy of the Lord. And what is Paul depending on as proof that he's telling you the truth? My words are because I've received mercy of the Lord. Because I've received mercy of the Lord, I'm telling you the truth. Now, I want you to notice the first part and the last part of verse 26, where Paul says, verse 26, I suppose, therefore, that it is good. What is good? Look at the last part of verse 26, that it is good for a man so to be. What is good, Paul? It's good for a man to be single. It's good for a man to be single. It's good for a female virgin girl maiden to be single. Okay? But look what he says. Remember, Paul's established the fact that singleness is nothing wrong with that. Right? Remember? Paul says there's nothing wrong with being single. 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 1, Paul says, Now concerning the things whereof ye wrote unto me, it is not good for a man to touch a woman. And we said to you that the word touch there is a reference to sexual activity. So basically Paul says it's a good thing to be single. Nothing wrong with that. And Now, now Paul wants to give us some reasons, some benefits, not just to say that it's a good thing, but to give us some benefits of being single. And he starts by talking about the pressure of the system. Look at the middle part of verse 26 what Paul says. For the present what? Distress. The present trouble, present calamity, present pressure. And I believe folks that that has really a kind of a twofold reference. I believe that one of the references has to do with a violent conflict that exists the moment someone becomes a child of God that immediately they start having a conflict with the old world system, don't they? Whether you're married or single, the moment you become a child of God, you immediately begin to have a conflict with the world. But Paul mentions the present distress, and I think Paul is probably indicating a more specific type of conflict in mind. Countless Christians had been arrested, beaten, prison and even killed for the gospel, hadn't they? In fact, Jesus told the disciples in John chapter 16 that they will put you out of the synagogue and they, will, and they will kill you and those that kill you will think they're doing God's work. And so Paul seems to get some sense of the persecution that's coming from the Romans. Probably the emperor of Rome that, that accurately depicts the most diabolical and cruelty was the emperor Nero. He and Nero had Christians sewn into animal skins and then were thrown before wild dogs to be torn apart and eaten. Nero had believers dressed in clothes and then soaked in wax and then were tied to trees and set on fire to light his gardens. In fact, Corinth, according to the Fox's Book of Martyrs, Corinth, one of the first uh, martyrs of Nero, was a man by the name Erastus. He was the treasurer, according to Romans 16, 23. He was the treasurer of the city of Rome, of the city of Corinth. And he was one of Nero's first martyrs. And so what that tells us is that the Roman, ex- the Roman um, persecution was extending all the way to Corinth. And Paul's point is this. Persecution is difficult enough if you're single, isn't it? But the pain and the problems are multiplied for one who's married. Paul's point is, is that I would he would go into town after town and he would preach salvation through Christ alone. He would get beaten and then be thrown into prison. He would get released. He would go into another town and he would stay in that town and he would preach again. He would get beaten and he would get thrown back into prison and on and on and on it, it went. And if that wasn't bad enough for Paul, what if Paul had been married? Which we believe he was earlier in his life because he was a Pharisee but when he Probably by the time he got saved, he was not. But what if Paul had been married while he was doing his missionary journeys? What if Paul had been married while he was being beaten and thrown in and out of prison? If he had been married, the suffering would have been magnified by worrying of a 4 family sitting at home knowing they were worrying about him. They would have suffered every time he would have been beaten. And they would have lived in constant fear. And Paul's mind would be thinking, who will take care of them in my absence? Who will teach my children? Who will comfort my wife? And his sufferings and his, and his practical problems, would, have, as bad as they were, would have been worse had he had a wife. And so Paul says, what's one benefit of not being married? The pressure of the system. Now, you and I don't understand that, do we? You and I have a tough time putting ourselves in the shoes of Paul because you and I have never suffered imprisonment for our stand for Jesus Christ. Because, listen, somebody making fun of us or somebody ridiculing us verbally because we're a Christian, that's not persecution. Paul would laugh at that type of persecution. That's not persecution. You and I don't know anything about the type of persecution Paul had. So it's difficult for us to live in that live in the, that way. But Paul's point is, and you understand the persecution that Paul had. Paul's point is, listen, one of the benefits of not being married is that you don't have a family back home to worry about because you're going in and out of these towns, preaching the gospel, being persecuted for the gospel, and you don't have to worry about a family living at home. Married believers who go through social turmoil and persecution cannot escape carrying the heavier load of a family living at home than those who are single, right? And Paul says one of the benefits of being single is that it's because of the pressure of the system. Look at verse 27 where Paul says, Are thou bound unto a wife? Seek not to believe. He says, Listen, if you're married, then don't take my words I just told you as a a license to go get divorced. Because what did, we've already talked about, what is the three reasons for divorce in the New Testament? Adultery or remarriage, I'll say adultery, death, or abandonment. Okay, those are the three reasons for uh, applicable, allowable reasons for remarriage. So Paul says, listen, if you're, if you're married, then don't take my words as to go out here and, you know, get divorced. But, uh, but if that was loose from a wife, don't try to get married. Be satisfied, as we talked about last week. Be satisfied in the situation that God has you. If you're married, stay that way. Marriage is a lifelong bond that can only be broken, as I said, by death, adultery, or abandonment. So stay that way. Don't divorce your wife so that you don't carry that burden. That would be silly. If you're married, stay that way. But for those of you who have the gift of singleness, what does Paul say? It's wise to remain that way. It's wise to remain that way. Now, again, you and I have a tough time figuring this one out because we don't live under persecution. But I can guarantee you one thing, you will. You will. The Lord tarries his return. He will. If you, if you, don't, don't live under the, don't live under the uh, understanding that any type of persecution that the church may, may uh, suffer will be, will, fore, will be foregone because of the rapture. Tell that to the people in China. Tell that to the people in Saudi Arabia, Pakistan. Okay, Nigeria, tell them to those people that will know the rapture is going to spare you from any persecution. I'm going to tell that to them. And so the time will come where you and I may suffer those type of things, but right now we have a tough time. And God gifts many of his people with singleness. And God's gifted you with singleness. Paul says stay single because of the pressure of the world. Use the gift of singleness for his glory. And don't let anyone tell you otherwise, because the pressure of the world system comes down on God's people. It's multiplied when God's people are married. So what's one of the benefits of singleness? The pressure of the system. Number two, the problems of the flesh, problems of the flesh. Paul makes again that that it is not a sin for a single person to get married. Look what he says in verse 28. But if thou marry, but, and if thou marry, thou was not sin. And if a virgin marry, she hath not sinned. Paul says marriage is a good option, but it's also good to consider the first option. But notice what he says. Nevertheless, such have trouble in the flesh but I spare you. Now, Paul is giving practical advice, not a moral command. Believers are still sinful, aren't we? Every one of you, you're sinful. And because you're sinful, you have the limitations of the flesh. And listen, because you're sinful, it's hard enough for a sinner to live with himself let alone get married and add another sinner. When two people are bound together in the bond of marriage, the problems of human nature are multiplied. One of the first things, if you haven't already realized this about your spouse, your spouse is a sinner. I don't know if you all have realized that or not, those of you who are married, but your spouse is a sinner. Jane and Nathan's a sinner. She says, You're right. He's a sinner. My wife is a sinner. And what's even worse than that is I sin sometimes. I am a sinner. My wife is a sinner. And what happens? Rebecca, when you put two sinners together, trouble, trouble, double the sin. And then you start having children and you have a whole lot of other little sinners running around. At one point, brother Ben, in my home, there were seven depraved sinners running around my house. Now the odds of fighting are very high. When you have seven depraved sinners, the odds of fighting are very somebody is gonna somebody's somebody's is gonna get hurt. Somebody's gonna get their feelings hurt, or somebody's gonna break their nose or something, somebody's gonna get a black eye, somebody's gonna get hurt. Live closely. Living close to each other allows each one of you to see the faults a little bit more clear. Now, marriage is a wonderful thing. In fact, Peter calls marriage the grace of life, doesn't he? Marriage is a wonderful thing. But Paul says in verse 28, Nevertheless, such shall have trouble in the flesh, but I spare you. If you have the gift of singleness, stay that way. He says, I'm trying to spare you the problems of the flesh. Look at the word trouble there. pelipsis in the Greek, and it means to press together. It means to put under pressure. Marriage presses people together in the closest way possible. And although they become one flesh, let's be real, they're still two personalities, right? They're still two distinct persons with their own likes and dislikes, different emotions their own characteristics, their own emotions, their own temperaments. Here's a big one, their own wills. And each partner, to some degree, has some level of anger, some level of selfishness, some level of dishonesty, some level of pride, some level of forgetfulness, uh, some level of thoughtlessness. Well, you forgot my birthday for the third year in a row. She told her husband, oh, you forgot our anniversary again. You never remember your bowling night. You never forget your bowling night, but you always remember, forget my birthday. And that's even true of the best of marriages. This may come to a shock, Bonnie, to you. But my wife and I have spirited discussions. We don't have arguments. We have spirited discussions. That's that's sanctified arguments. That's sanctified arguments. And I don't care what kind of marriage you've got, what you've got is you've got two people pressed together. You've got two personalities, two wills, two emotions, two characteristics that are trying to live together. And Paul says one of the reasons, one of the benefits of staying single is the problems of the flesh. You don't have to worry about but one sinner. And when, but when one of those partners happens to be an unbeliever, problem's even worse. problem's even worse. Some people say, man, if I could just get married, it would solve all my problems. No, if you get married, all it will do is magnify your problems because you've taken your problems and you've made it somebody else's. Because now somebody else has to live with them. Now, folks, listen, I'm not saying marriage is wrong, obviously. I'm married, happily married for 30 years almost, okay? So I'm not saying marriage is wrong. But all I'm saying is, is that if God has given you the gift of singleness, don't look at yourself as a lesser of a human the way they were in the church of Corinth because Paul says there are reasons, there are good reasons, there are Holy Spirit-given reasons for remaining single. And one is, if you during persecution, you don't have to worry about a family at home, and another reason is you don't have to worry about somebody else that's a sinner, When a person really has the gift of singleness and is slammed into a marriage, trouble sparks double. In fact, I read after one man this week that said, quote, the only thing worse than waiting is wishing I had, end quote. Because he was slammed into a marriage that he wasn't ready for. Misery comes basically in a marriage at a much higher level than being single, doesn't it? Because you are slammed together against another person who is a who is a fleshly sinner just like you, and everything that's wrong about you is just gets thrown back up in your face. And you and you and as a husband and a wife, you're, you tell me that this ain't true. This isn't true about you as a husband and wife. You're constantly having to adjust, right? You're constantly having. Listen, do you ever reach a point in your life where you have to stop adjusting yourself? Well, I've been married for almost 30 years, and I ain't stopped adjusting yet. I mean, how, Bonnie, how long y'all been married? Almost 49. You stopped adjusting yet? Probably not. <laughs> the fact, the, fa- the fact is, folks. <laughs> you smart man to keep out of this conversation. The fact is that marriage never changes anything, does it? It intensifies everything you are and, and makes somebody else has to live with it. If you're going to solve your problems, it you have to be solved independent of marriage. If you marry an alcoholic, guess what they're going to be after they say, I do, an alcoholic. You marry someone that's addicted to pornography, guess what they're going to be after you say, I do, addicted to pornography. Because any changes have to be made Outside of marriage. Marriage doesn't change that. And if you have a tremendous sexual passion, and it, it, that it's to the place of sinfulness, and you think, if I could only get married, you know what will happen when you get married? Nothing. You will still have those same evil lusts and desires, even when there is sexual fulfillment in marriage. Because the problem hasn't been dealt with outside of marriage. And then all you've done is bring an innocent party in to your sin and made it worse. Somebody said, I'm so lonely if I could just get married and have somebody. Well, if your loneliness isn't dealt with before you get married, the only thing we'll do when you get married is both of you will be lonely. Marriage carries its problems. And there's reason for singleness. And Paul says, if you have to get to singleness, stay that way. Because when you bring a wife or a husband into the marriage, into a marriage union, you've doubled the trouble. And then when we brought five sinners into the into the marriage, listen. You think that baby is so cute, don't you? You think that baby is so cute. I, I watch y'all while I preach. You know, I told them during Sunday school, I said, you know, it's never. I don't know who's more distracting, the baby or the adults who act like they've never seen a baby. Well, you're not supposed to wave back, is he in church? You think that baby is so cuddly and cute. That thing is a viper in a diaper. The only reason you don't kill that baby is because he's so, so, uh, so cute. And the only reason he don't kill you is because he's so small. That thing is a sinner. And my wife brought five of them into the world. (laughs) Listen, church, there are reasons for singleness. One is the pressure of the system. The pressure of the system. Two, the problems of the flesh. So if you've got the gift of singleness, don't try to get married. Stay that way. Because God has uniquely gifted you with the gift of singleness for a reason. So stay that way. Third reason Paul gives us for singleness is the passing of the world. The pressure of the system, the problems of the flesh, and the passing of the world. Now notice what Paul says at the end of verse thirty-one. I'm going to skip ahead just a, month, just a minute. Verse thirty-one, end of verse thirty-one. Paul says this: "This world passeth away, or the fashion of this world passeth away." The, listen, the things that make up this world are going away. Now notice what Paul says in verse twenty-nine. But this I say, brethren, the time is short; it remaineth. In other words, the time is limited. The time is limited. So he says, "But this time, the time, this I say, brethren, the time is short; it remaineth." He goes on to say, verse 29, that both they that have wives as though they had none. Paul's saying this, that although, it's kind of confusing language a little bit here, but Paul is saying basically that although marriage is ordained of God, marriage is after the fashion of this world, isn't it? Marriage is an earthly institution. Marriage, in other words, has no relation in the eternal state. And I know that bothers some people. I caused a young teenage girl one time. I brought her to tears in school when I told her that her parents were not going to be married in heaven. She just fell apart on me when I told her. I actually felt bad for telling her the truth, but she fell apart on me when I told her that her parents would not be married in heaven. She just could not understand why God would make a heaven where her mom and daddy weren't going to be married anymore. But marriage has no eternal, has no relation to the eternal state. And so Paul says, don't get so caught up and thinking you've got to be married. Because it's it's marriage is a scheme of the world. Because marriage is one of those things, church, that's going to pass away. But it's not only marriage, it also holds true of emotions. what you say in verse 30? He says, And they that weep as though they wept not, and they that rejoiced as Though they rejoice not. Have you ever known somebody, and I'm not making light of their pain, but it's just a but it's, but it's, but it's something that I've seen over my years. Have you ever seen somebody that, that got so emotional and so distraught at the death of a law, of a loved one that they were absolutely, from that moment on, useless to God? They just could not get past that to be of any use to God anymore. And Paul says, listen, I'm not making light of your emotions, but just like marriage is a fashion of the world that's going to pass away, your emotions, whether they're sad or whether they're glad, those emotions are after the fashion of the world, and they're going to go away too, so don't get caught up in them. Yes, God gave us emotions, but don't get so caught up in those emotions as to become useless to God because those things are going to pass away. One of the reasons why this young girl broke a, tore, just broke down on me when I told her that her mother and father are not going to be married in heaven is because she could not fathom the thought process of heaven. She could not fathom, and that's understandable. I can't either. She could not fathom the, 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 the realities of heaven because the emotions that we have here today, church, Paul says, what does he say? They're going to pass away those emotions, whether it be weeping or whether it be rejoicing, those emotions are going to pass away. They will not be, the emotions that we have right now will not be part of the eternal state, just like marriage. And so Paul says, don't let your emotions overtake you. Just like don't get so wrapped up in marriage because it has no part of the eternal state, don't let your emotions get the best of you. Don't let your emotions... Dictate your life. And then he says in verse 30 again, and they that buy as though, as though they possess not. You know, the accumulation of things, the accumulation of money and things it can buy has become a preoccupation with people, even believers. Far too many Christians are focused on their careers, their bank accounts, Houses, the new cars. We get so focused on those things that we forget about the real spiritual need. What does John say? Remember what John says, First John chapter 2, verse 15. He says, do not love the world, right? Nor the things that are in the world. If any man loved the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life, is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world does what? Passeth away. And the lusts thereof. What's the lust thereof? Lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, pride of life, verse 16. All those lusts are going to pass away. But he that does what? The will of of God abideth forever. So what should be our focus in life? The Lord. Not marriage. Not our emotions not our bank accounts, the Lord. Because all those other things, marriage, our emotions, our bank accounts, they're all going to pass away. And when we are more concerned, church, about those previous things, we are attaching ourselves to something that's going to pass away. Notice what Paul says in verse 31. And they that use this world as not abusing it. What's Paul mean by when he says use this world? More leisure. More vacation time. Early retirement. More comfortable homes. That's our, that becomes our focus. And such things, folks, while not sinful in and of themselves, can occupy our minds to the, to the neglect of our spirituality. There's nothing wrong with human relations. There's nothing wrong with human emotions. There's nothing wrong with possessions. There's nothing wrong with human pleasures. But those things should not be the focus of our life, church, over those the things that are spiritual. Because why? Verse 31. For the fashion of this world passeth away. They're, they're going away. They're passing away. The marriage is passing away. The emotions are passing away. The possessions are passing away. The human leisure, leisure, leisure is passing away. Focus on the Lord. If you have the gift of singleness tonight, use it for God's glory. Praise God for it and stay single. Why? Because of the pressure of the system. Because of the problems of the flesh. Because of the passing of the world. You could probably ask my wife, in all seriousness, you could probably ask my wife, and I know my wife loves me. But you could probably ask my wife, and if she was honest, she would tell you. which She's honest, so she would tell you. But you could ask my wife, Julie, would your life been simpler without Michael? Guess what her answer would probably have been. Probably be. Yes. Why would it have been simpler? Because it had just been her. Now, I'm, that's not to say that her life with me hasn't been good. Because her life with me has been good. But it would have been simpler because it had been just her. She wouldn't have had to worry about six other sinners. She just had to worry about herself. So, in that regard, Yes, her life would have been simpler. God didn't call her to that. God didn't call me to that. But God does call some people to that lifestyle of singleness. And there are good biblical reasons that Paul gives us in this passage to be single. If that's you, use it for God's glory and praise Him for it. The there are reasons to be so.
1: Thank you for listening to Divine Truth Podcast. We pray that the Word of God has been a spiritual blessing to your soul. For more information about Emmanuel Baptist Church, please visit our website at www.ebcmineral.com. You can also find us on our Facebook page at Emmanuel Baptist Church. Our Lord's Day services are 10 and 11 a.m., as well as 6.30 p.m. We also have a Wednesday service at 6.30 p.m. We here at Emmanuel Baptist Church pray that the message of God's divine truth would always go from the cross through the church to the world until Christ come. God bless you.